Welcome back to a Clubfoot Mom podcast. I am your host and fellow Clubfoot Mom, Maureen Hoff. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Catherine Jardine, the mother of two boys, born both born with Clubfoot, and who works with the Global Clubfoot Initiative, a non not-for-profit collaborative initiative geared towards establishing national Clubfoot programs in low- and middle-income countries. But more on GCI in a follow-up podcast. This episode is about Catherine and her experience as a Clubfoot mom. Catherine and I first connected through GCI when I reached out to see if they'd be interested to be interviewed for the podcast. Catherine and I had loads of communication back and forth about the podcast and finally decided that we should just start by telling Catherine's story. So let's jump in. Welcome to the podcast, Catherine. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Maureen. I've been very much looking forward to speaking to you. I know. I'm happy that we were able to finally figure it out. It always seems to be the trickiest part is just getting the time to record. So I'm really happy that we were able to make it happen. So why don't we just start with you telling us about how you became a Clubfoot mom? Cool. Well, um, so it was in 2011 when I had my first son. Um, I found out at his 20-week scan um, that he had talipes. Um, and it came as a shock. We weren't um, nothing in our families. And um, actually, the way it was delivered was a bit of a shock as well, because we were told there was a problem. And so we went home very worried and nervous about what that might mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as I think most people do, we obviously turned straight to the Internet mm-hmm. and did lots of research. Um, some positive stories, some not so positive, which made us worry even more. Um, I guess our main concerns were, would he be able to walk? Would he be in pain? Might he have other conditions? Um, but our research did point us in the direction of the Ponsetti treatment. Um, and we knew, having when we read up about that, that that is the way that we wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um the hospital where we were having our son um, brought us in and talked to us about the treatment that they would they would offer. And um, actually, they they were suggesting going straight to surgery um, and didn't treat that many patients each year. Um, and so we were quite grateful to have done the research before speaking to them to know that there was there was another option in the Ponsetti method. Mm. Um, and I guess we kind of were a bit shocked possibly naively so, that we thought all treatment would be the same across all hospitals, but obviously that wasn't the case. Um, And um, we were lucky that we had had it picked up at our 20-week scan and were able to do that research and find out where we want, what we wanted to do and find a hospital that we could be referred to that had lots of experience and expertise in dealing with Clubfoot. Mm. um so yeah that was kind of where that's 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 2011 was the first the first first really I'd heard of therapies I guess mm. um I'd been aware of I guess aware of the condition mm-hmm. um but I hadn't heard of it as being called therapies mm. and so it was a term that I wasn't familiar with and so yeah a lot of um kind of a bit of a, an emotional roller coaster I guess um yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that seems to be the uh, resounding theme with parents in the diagnosis phase is just how overwhelming it all is to try to get all of the treatment information, right? Like you're doing that, but then you're also like emotionally processing the fact that your child's going to be born with a birth defect that's going to require treatment. And it just seems to be the overarching theme of everybody. So how did that treatment go? So you found the somebody who was willing to do the Ponsetti method. How did the, how did your son's treatment go? Um, so he, um, was started treatment within a week of being born. Okay. We were into casts. Um, and the treatment went went well. Um, his feet were tricky, though. Mm. Um, so he was in cast for quite a bit longer than um, typical. Mm-hmm. Um, his feet slipped a lot in them. Um, he had very big creases in both his feet. He was born with bilateral covered. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we ended up having a lot more casts and he had his tenotomy under a general anaesthetic. So our consultant could, um, could really take a look at the tendon and, and try and, and try and do the best, best job possible in terms of the tenotomy. Um, and then after being in casts post tenotomy, he went into boots and bars, um and his treatment his the Ponsetti treatment we were really strict with it followed it and he did really well with the boots and bars um but he did relapse um Mm. after after coming out of boots and bars Mm. uh so um we then have followed since the Ponsetti treatment more 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 um more procedures um Mm. to try and correct his feet uh further gotcha Sounds like it was kind of a uh, a smooth and bumpy road at the same time. Yeah, point. yeah. I mean, everything kind of, and he was our first. So um, I know we'll come on to this in a bit, yeah. but we have a second. And um, so with our first, you don't know, you don't know what you're expecting. And mm-hmm. quite often you don't even know whether um, certain things are you put down to them being in cast or is it because they're just a baby like and that's what babies do it's so it's so hard to to kind of differentiate and work out what the cause of it is but I know probably looking back having now got three children mm. he was probably quite a bit more discomfort mm. and we wondered we thought perhaps that's newborn but actually I think possibly he was in more discomfort from the casts because mm. they slipped and things like that yeah. Um, and then with our second, who was also born with Clubfoot, he, um, he responded really well to the treatment. He was kind of like your textbook Ponsetti treatment. So now you can see kind of the differences in the two, mm. two yeah. treatments. Um, not in, not in the way the treatment was done, but just in the way they responded to that treatment. Gotcha. Did you guys use the same medical team for your second son? We did. Okay. Yeah, we did. Um, so when we found out, so there's two years between them. Okay. We found out um again at very early on, actually at 16 weeks when we were pregnant with our second that he had talipes. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously they were aware of the history and, and, right, and right. waiting for it. Um he um 
that time we were obviously disappointed that he was going to go through like he, was, he had the telepies but mm-hmm. we had had such a good experience with our medical team um like the whole team the physios the nurses plaster technicians consultants um and so we were definitely wanted to go back to them mm-hmm. and um and they just made the whole process so much more mm-hmm. I don't know like every week when we went for cast they were so welcoming and it was almost part of that first phase of their lives and mm-hmm. kind of made it so um yeah it it worked well and 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 yeah so we were very happy to go back to the same team yeah and very happy that they were able to have us well yeah you are the first mom on the podcast who has multiple kiddos with clubfoot and that seems to be one of the questions that you see a lot from parents or social media like for us ours was our last so I was like I had two typical children not the club feet wasn't a part of our journey and we knew she was going to be our last kid so I didn't have that concern now thinking about the genetic aspect of it and I think about my my girls and whether they will have children with club foot um but I know that's a lot of what parents ask about who have one, especially a first child and they're like we want to have multiple children and what's the likelihood and what's that experience like so I think it's helpful for you to be on the podcast to talk about your experience with that and it's interesting that I think it's even more interesting because you went to the same team for both kiddos and you were able to experience the difference between feet right like we kind of overgeneralize sometimes the clubfoot treatment and make it seem like it's a one size fits all and everyone's going to have the same experience but here you are talking about you have two kids and they both had different experiences with the same medical team that you guys had a great experience with so i think it's helpful for you to talk about that and for people to hear that story because it is so multifaceted in how um, parents approach it and how clubfoot treatment ends up working out in the end, depending on the fee, right? Yeah, I think that's so true. And I hadn't actually thought of it from that perspective before, but you're right. Like um, the the boys both both had the same medical team. We took the same approach with them. Um, Henry, our eldest, had bilateral our second had unilateral okay um not that that necessarily makes any difference to kind of the severity of of their feet but Mm -hmm. um but we were equally strict in terms of them wearing their boots and Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. um but as you say um you know like the the process for both of them has been quite different even though the pancetti treatment for both of them has been quite different in that um our second had seven casts mm-hmm. the typical concept uh tenotomy under local anesthetic mm-hmm. into boots and bars um and, and I boots and bars felt more of a breeze that time I guess because mm-hmm. I was I, I guess in part experience helped with that because yeah. um I knew that I had to do them tight the first mm-hmm. time that was so tough pulling them so tight mm-hmm. and the kicking and screaming and everything from the boots going on for the first time was just one of the toughest I think that's 
one of the toughest parts of the journey um when the kind of treatment moves over to you to be responsible for um I'm not saying that with George our second it was easy but it certainly I knew what I was doing and I knew I knew I was doing the right thing by pulling them pulling the boots tight and everything um but it's interesting there were there was no there's no one that we're aware of in either of our families that has had club foot um so nothing nothing kind of coming down that we're aware of um so yeah and we actually have a third daughter mm-hmm. who wasn't born with Clubfoot. So, um, like you say, it, it would be interesting, you know, kind of the the chances of this pass of it passing down further. Yeah. Who knows? It's um, yeah. I know that's one of the pieces that's I feel like a big question mark for a lot yeah. of parents and medical community, just Clubfoot community in general is what are the markers and what is the likelihood that, you know, your child or a subsequent child or your children's children will have club feet once it kind of exists? Because I feel like you get a lot of different answers based on who you're talking to. And um, yeah, I do think it is interesting. And it was interesting what you said about you had the same treatment and it's hard to determine when it's your, I can only imagine because it wasn't my first. So I had two babies that were typical, one that was like super high maintenance and then one that was super easy going. And then I got my clubfoot kiddo and it was, it's hard to determine the temperament of your child versus what, um, what's happening with them medically, right? Like you don't, it's, they can't explain it to you. They can't tell you what's going on and you're doing the best at trying to guess it. But like looking back with my cutie, I'm like a lot of her, it it was still hard to determine now that I know her personality. I'm like, okay, were you just temperamental or did you really were in discomfort? So why do you think that you feel like looking back that your oldest was more in discomfort based on his personality now? Was it because you also had somebody to directly compare it to with your second son? It's interesting you say that because our eldest is probably more stubborn and our second one is probably more laid back. But I think um, it was clear. Um, So our eldest really struggled with blisters with his boots. Um, His feet always looked sore when they came out of casts. Um, and as I say, there was the crease and everything. Yeah. So um, that was. Um, but the our second our second son didn't ever, if ever, need any kind of blister plasters or anything like that. It was all quite um, a lot more straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think there's probably an element of both mm-hmm. <laughs> stubbornness and not wanting to be kind of put into the boots in the first place, but also knowing that they're actually maybe uncomfortable um yeah we yeah. used a lot more of the of their kind of uh, additions like the 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 saddle to go over the strap to kind of take the, the pressure the pressure pads and things like that um with our eldest um but we just didn't need really so much with our with with our second so yeah I think it would be interesting to have two kids with the same birth defect, but different because 
when you have children, I can, you, you automatically compare them. You know, it's like this piece of, you know, when they play sports and you're like, okay, this one's good at this or this one's good at that. And I wonder if there's any of that for you of like, do they compare each other? Do you feel like you guys um, compare their treatments or was it very individualized? Um, I think that's a really good question. I think they're so different in terms of their personalities mm. and what they like to do. Um, you know, our eldest enjoys sport, but more things like cycling mm. um and um our youngest is really into really really into like football running mm. things like that which mm. so actually to compare them they're such different different builds and and have mm. such different interests in terms of sport um mm. that actually we don't we don't really compare but compare that and I think that's great because yeah um because they are just they they do have different different likes and and um yeah. um so and maybe maybe possibly how their treatment has gone and the fact that our youngest mm-hmm. no longer you know he doesn't need any further treatment maybe that has kind of led them down the path of liking different sports because cycling is great for their feet yeah um, uh, but also is something that is quite you know our eldest is able to do whereas mm-hmm. running he runs but it's he can't run for as long um etc yeah. so. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um so yeah so it's been very interesting to compare the treatment and I guess I probably actually haven't because our eldest has struggled more, like his feet have struggled more with the treatment and has he's had to have further procedures, I've felt I've maybe focused more on him and what he's been able to achieve and possibly hasn't until quite recently really focused on how amazing the Ponsetti treatment's been for our youngest and mm-hmm. how it's mm. enabled him to do so much. And actually he was doing um a cross-country events like running um this winter and um it suddenly occurred to me like not mm-hmm. only is he doing this but he's been picked to do it mm-hmm. because he can run at a, a certain pace and is pace fast and um oh. and he's been born with he was born with club foot and mm-hmm. right at the beginning my concerns were is he going to be able to walk is he going to be able to play and actually he's doing so much more than that he's like competing against others who weren't born with club but um doing well so I kind of maybe hadn't it occurred to me I think possibly I'd seen um videos of children walking children born with club who haven't been treated at the same Mm -hmm. roughly the same time and just that all puts it all in perspective just how mate like just how wonderful the Ponsetti treatment is mm-hmm. how you know it's not in, it's minimally invasive and and yeah and look yeah. at what look at what my children can do now it's fantastic mm-hmm. yeah that's really interesting I think about the dynamic between the two of them too because part of 
part of our deal is like, you know, uh, she's getting really close to being done wearing her boots and bar. And she's like, now I get to be like my sisters. Like I get to be, so to have somebody, a sibling that's close enough in age, that's going through the same thing as you would be so interesting compared to like, our daughter doesn't know anyone else in her life who has anything remotely close to what she has to do. And so it would be interesting to have that shared experience with somebody in your immediate family. Yeah. um, Compare, like, what's their dynamic like between the two of them? um, They get on really well. And the point you make about the boots was, was so, it's so true that, so, it was almost like just the bedtime routine mm-hmm. was everyone puts on their boots and bras because they were both yeah. doing on their boots and bras. Um, and in fact, um, we kept our eldest in for longer in his boots and bras, partly because his feet were more tricky to treat, but actually more because our youngest was still wearing his boots and bras. Wow. And, and why, why not kind of, you know, if he might yeah. start questioning, he was coming to an age where, he might start questioning why, why, why he's the only one wearing them. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, that helped. That really helped wow. um, with the boots and bars. And who who knows? Like in time, I guess that's the that's the kind of the main benefit of them both having had it in terms of supporting each other at the moment. The boots and bars. Yeah. Um, but it'd be interesting to see in in time, kind of what what other what other things come out of it. That um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's so interesting what you said about it's just experience with the boots and bar. And I think that's the part, the learning curve for parents who are only have one child and have just gone through it is got to be is like you said so stressful. And then if you had a second, it, there is a part of you that's like, okay, I've already, I've done this. Like we've, we've been down this road. And so it's, you just have more experience. And that's the part that I try to get uh, some of the times the medical community to understand is like, you're sending parents home with very high expectations, a huge responsibility, because we all know what the relapse rates are. Absolutely. And with absolutely like zero experience with a medical device and it's either sink or swim. And, you know, and, and if you don't swim, then it feels like it's your fault as a parent, like you're doing something wrong when in reality, it's like how much, how many of us really succeed at something that we do and become experts in it the first time that we're doing it. So it's interesting that you had that experience where you you know, and especially because your first was trickier than your second. And so you kind of were really set up for, prepared for all the gamut of things that could happen. And then it seemed to be smoother with your second. Yeah. Yeah, was Was the emotional journey different for you? With the second, were you? Did you feel more prepared? Did you feel like grief over the fact that you're like, oh, like we're gonna have to do this again? Like, what was that like for you? Definitely, um, I think it was it was a very different journey. Mm-hmm. You know, helped by the fact we knew 
we knew what it was and we had experience of it being of the treatment working and being great um and I think I guess I was disappointed obviously that our second also had it um but because I knew what we had ahead of us Mm. I wasn't worried at Mm. all um and um yeah it was all a lot more um more manageable yeah absolutely yeah 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 Yeah. I I can imagine only both of those feelings like feeling very like I don't like we don't want to do that again I think a lot of parents are scared of what um having to go through the process again but at the same time being like but you actually have a lot more understanding of what that experience is going to be I think a lot of that diagnosis after the first part you're like there's just so many unknowns and you don't know what the experience is going to be like so with that built-in knowledge it has to give you a little bit more confidence but at the same time I can imagine because your oldest had a, a trickier time you were like it was twofold either it was like okay I'm scared because I know all the things that could possibly happen to have with trickier feet and it's not as smooth but also I'm like well we've seen everything so at this point you know we're kind of set up for whatever comes our way right yeah no definitely I think I think although when when we had our second we probably hadn't done the trick the kind of the post Ponsetti journey maybe if I'd have had our second when I'd got to that stage I might have felt differently about things um but I certainly didn't I didn't worry because I'd seen and I knew that I knew that our eldest feet were more tricky so I knew that there would be more procedures but actually when we had when I had our scan for our second um one of the nurses in the hospital said to me if there's going to be a problem it's the best problem to have in terms of like having the club and that's really resonated and totally you know totally agree with that in for both boys that it's it's been something that has been totally treatable and yeah. Has you know the treatments enabled them to do everything and anything they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. What do you think has been the most difficult part of the clubfoot treatment? Um I would say I think I th- boots and bars. <laughs> Going into boots and bars is tough yeah. like you were saying. The owners moves totally to you as a parent and as and as you said you know there's loads of reports about relapses for non-compliance with boots so you that pressure really really sits with you um and I think probably the other thing is post-ponsetti treatment the tendon transfer operation for our eldest was really tough too mm. and I'd seen lots of advice um, or various groups about you know, managing it and pain relief but I don't think anything anything necessarily prepares you for 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 the reality of it mm. um, and also um, 
the reality of it, not just for like you prepare so much for your child, but actually the impact on you, you, uh, I hadn't really thought about me from an emotional perspective and dealing with it. I just just focused on on um, Henry going through it. Mm. So I think those two kind of boots and bars and and the tendon transfer are the kind of two mm. things that stick out as being as being tough. But you know, so worth it in both cases. Just, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's it's interesting that you say that because I think that's a point that I hear a lot from parents in general on the journey is like the child. You were so focused as parents on our child's treatment and making sure our child has everything that they need to feel successful. And what we leave out sometimes is ourselves in that equation. And a big part of what our child needs is us to feel confident and be emotionally present. And that part is tricky to do while you're trying to do all the medical pieces that come along with anything like that, like a big surgery And then you're trying, but you're also like a parent, parenting your child. And I think that that would be really hard to do simultaneously, right? Like, I mean, I would want to say, like, what would you do differently if you had the chance? Like, would you have done something for yourself? Is there something you could have done? Or is it more just like retrospectively? I think probably retrospectively, but I think um, he had a second operation fairly recently. Mm. And I think I probably was more prepared for that. So actually, if I had gone back, I probably would have. I'd always have focused just as much on him, but maybe thought a bit about myself as well. And just making sure that I was going to cope with it. Because I think you worry so much about whether your children are going to cope with it. Yeah. And they're so resilient and they always surprise me. Just They just take things so much in their stride. Mm-hmm. And actually, maybe just a little bit of time for me to think about it was what I needed just to kind of process, this, process it a bit rather than just throwing throwing myself into it and Mm. and not thinking about actually I think it's just you think like you it's it's the whole it's everything that you need to think about it's not just about the treatment it's about everybody's well-being and everybody being within the family Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah and it does have that impact on everybody and I know like from personal experience, like my clubfoot cutie had another diagnosis and I felt like I was much more prepared to like let myself emotionally respond to that in whatever way I needed to because I'd been through it with the clubfoot. So I was like, okay, I didn't allow myself because you are trying to like push yourself so hard and to go, okay, we just have to like focus on getting them through this and all the research and everything. But when you really boil it down and go like, it's a lot, it's hard on parents. It's hard to watch your child go through something like that and to be in pain and to um, have a very different quality of life. And just your caretaking role is so different. I'm guessing like after your son had surgery, he was in non-weight bearing cast, right? 
yeah and it's almost like going back to having a newborn in some respects um but you've moved on from that stage and like in like our case we had two other two other children and um and yeah like but but they need that kind of support because Mm -hmm. walk around and actually managing the pain is like a managing it through the night and everything so yeah it's um yeah it's just you're thrown into and I guess even if you took time to think about it until you're in the reality of it it's you don't you don't know what it's going to be like do you so yeah you you can't necessarily be totally prepared Mm -hmm. but I think maybe just to give yourself a break and and things like you know all the turmoil about he relapsed and so like do, was that because of something I did but yeah. actually again I we were so strict with the boots and bars yeah. did everything mm-hmm. and so I think I think there's possibly not so much focus on that and mm-hmm. around the fact that there are relapses and yeah. yes it's really important to comply with the boots and bars but but there are other reasons why there's relapses too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it happens and it happens more often than you necessarily think it does. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not your fault. I think that's no. that parents. I know I would feel the same, like as we get towards the end of her journey and going, I just have to remind myself that I did everything that I could. I've done my part. And if she relapses, then that's something that we have to address at that point. But there's a very, you can feel the slippery slope of going down the path of like, oh, should I have done something different? It's easy to place that blame on yourself. Um, Obviously, you're not going to blame your kid, right? And (laughs) you're the one really responsible for putting it on for so many years. But I think that's an important message for parents who do experience relapse is it's like, you know, if you've done everything possible, somebody said that to me once, they were like, if you've done everything possible that you think you've done, that's what you look back on and you're like, I've done it. Like, that's what you're doing all of this for. And then if something happens, it's like, that's just another part of the journey as opposed to a failure on your part as a parent. Absolutely. I guess that applies like to life in general, doesn't it? Because you worry about them in terms of their exams and, mm-hmm. and studies and yeah. stuff. But yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. It's it's easy for parents to take on all of that, um, the good and the bad of their children, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like their achievements yeah. and their failures or perceived that way, right? You think that you have some hand in it. And I think the clubfoot treatment is no different, right? Thanks. So I'm interested to think where you, where do you think clubfoot parents could be better supported along the journey? Um, I kind of, I think it probably goes back to what we were saying about just thinking about ourselves a bit more. And um, I think, I think getting together with other parents has so much benefit. And I think with clubfoot, that's, that's often quite hard because when you're out and about, you're not really aware of who's got club foot and whether right. they're going to treatment. Right. It's, it's hidden really, isn't it? Like the casts mm-hmm. are typically when a child's in, in a baby. So they're under a blanket, don't really see mm-hmm. it very often. And then the boots and bars at night time, so you don't see it. Um, so 
in the UK, we have, um, and probably very similar to the US, we have antenatal groups. So you get to know parents before you have your child, a group of parents who are going through it. And I think something I've always thought something like that would be great to have kind of a group of a group of parents mm-hmm. who are going through the treatment at this at roughly the same time mm-hmm. as you. So you can yeah. share yeah. Kind of, is this normal and, and everything. Um uh, so I've always thought that. And I know that in some countries there's parent advisors who go into clinics yeah. and, and are there. And I think that happens quite a lot in Africa. And I think that's just amazing to have yeah. a parent in the clinic to for other parents to speak to who a parent who'd been through it and just just to kind of get that um kind of support and experience mm-hmm. I think it's um just just invaluable really yeah I couldn't agree with you more I think both of those are great I found a group of moms uh while I was pregnant who were local kind of going through the same treatment and they're still the people that I talk to all the time you know and uh that wasn't but it wasn't formal. It was just like happened upon. And I think there can be some more thought around how we make how we make those connections with parents so that they have that opportunity to connect with other parents. I think that's a big piece of just feeling less isolated and yeah. Like you're not alone. And I think the parent advisor thing, I've heard the same thing. It sounds amazing. And I'm like, if you were just even, if I was in a casting appointment and, you know, we were waiting, we had one cast taken off or waiting for the next to be put on. If I had the opportunity to talk to a parent who had been through it, like, I don't know, that would have been invaluable for me. It would have had so much different. I think it would have had a large impact on my just overall emotional well-being and confidence, like feeling like building my confidence. And maybe that's something that we need to focus on with parents in that casting phase is setting them up slowly for success in Boots and Bar, um, as opposed to like what we felt was just kind of thrust out the door. Good luck. It was like, wait a second. Just always having that reassurance that someone's yeah. there, just to know someone that mm-hmm. you could you could, could contact. You may not need to contact them, right. but just to know that you could. If yeah, and it's not, they're not, and they're questions that you feel you probably wouldn't necessarily ask of a medical team. Yes, of a parent, um, you would. And actually, I volunteer for a charity Steps in the UK and speak mm-hmm. to families who've had a diagnosis or uh, are having similar kind of treatments to, uh, you know, the the operations. And um, I love, I love speaking to other families and sharing our experiences. And I've used, I've used that service the other way. And it's just invaluable just having Mm -hmm. just practical recommendations and things like that, that you wouldn't necessarily think of, but I've picked up so much of, you know, just you know yeah yeah Yeah, it's right there is that part where parents you don't know you don't want to bother the medical your medical team all the time especially with stuff that's really practical just parenting tips like what sleep sack should I wear and what you know um or did you guys use bumpers in the crib where is your baby sleeping like all of these things that necessarily the team isn't going to have answers for you but you need advice and that's 
really parent-specific stuff. Um, and I think that that is a really positive way for us to start focusing on for parents who are in that kind of overwhelm of diagnosis phase, right? Definitely. I think that's just going back again to the mental support that you can offer to a family. Right. You know, yeah. That kind of support is right up there. Right. Um, Super impactful. Yeah. So how did you get involved with the Global Clubfoot Initiative? Um, so I um or just a, a global club for initiative is an umbrella organization and, okay. and they work with we work with children um with clubfoot worldwide mm-hmm. and um our mission is to build um global capacity for quality clubfoot treatment and equitable service provision through um advocating um collaborating and mm-hmm. delivering training and um we I feel very fortunate that I have been, my children have been born in a country where they've been able to access the treatment for clubfoot. Very, very straightforward, very easy to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I said before, I've volunteered um, in the UK to speak to other families um, with steps. And through steps, I got to know about GCI. Mm -hmm. um, And um, when a role came up that combined my skill set and being able to work to enable children to access treatment, my boys mm-hmm. got, um, I just jumped at the chance. Um, I just I just find it shocking that with a treatment that's just so, so, so low cost and mm-hmm. easy to deliver mm-hmm. that still in low and middle income countries only one in five less than one in five children actually have access to it and so it's just fantastic that I can I can work with GCI and you know use my experiences of what my boys have been through um and know more know about how the treatment has been so amazing to um support others and hopefully increase coverage in those countries where it's not it's not definitely I think that's amazing so where can people find information about the global clubfoot initiative I know we're going to do another podcast so everybody stay tuned about (laughs) in general but if they're thinking about hearing you talk and go okay where where is this where would they go to get information about it on Facebook Mm-hmm. and twitter and um and linkedin and instagram um and uh, um global global clubfoot or global clubfoot initiative great sounds good i will try to link that to the podcast mm-hmm. notes so anyone who is interested can find out more information and before we end i always ask the same question cuz it's just like part of my thing is <laughs> i want to know if there is just a standout moment for you. I mean, you've had two journeys, so you got double the amount of, you know, moments to come by. Um, but just something that really stands out for you on the journey. Um, I've touched on it already, but I think for both of them is, I guess, their ability to run or mm-hmm. um, do sport has really yeah. kind of been quite an impact for me um and for our youngest it was just 
him being able to play football and doing doing that cross-country event just that really kind of really hit me um that yeah he's he's gone through all of this and he was able to do so much and nothing it's not stopped him or held him back in any way mm-hmm. and the same for our eldest um who's loved cycling and he had his tendon transfer he really struggled after that to get back on his feet and probably for a, a few well a few weeks he was he was struggling but two months after do after his operation mm-hmm. he was back on a bike and three months after that he was doing 30 kilometer bike rides which just amazing just you know just just go just go you know just mm-hmm. They are so they they don't they don't let things like that stop them kids do they they're just so resilient and just straight back on it and yeah, yeah. so those are, those are probably the two things that really yeah. stick out. I think that's such inspiration for parents listening. I think we're just starting now with our daughter to like she's starting to do all the sports and. I don't take it for granted. It's different. There's just a different feeling. It's not as though I'm not as proud of my older two who are also very involved in sports, but it's just different because every time she runs on the soccer slash football field, it, you just, it hits different. It just feels like we've done so much work to get here. And like from where we started to where she is now, it's just so so incredible. Yeah, and I guess I guess I guess that's what you, as a parent, you really feel that mm-hmm. kids, mm-hmm. and this is how they should feel. Like they're probably oblivious to it yeah. because, and actually, that's great. But just mm-hmm. as a parent, you just I think I think I probably feel proud of things that necess- not necessarily all parents would feel proud about right. because they, right. they just take it. They would take it for granted that this mm-hmm. is possible, whereas there's there's moments where you think wow that's that's really incredible yeah. um, such an inspiration well thank you so much for being here today Catherine and sharing your story I feel like it was so helpful to hear about the two different treatment processes you guys went through that were similar yet different and I just learned a lot so I really appreciate you taking the time to be here and have everybody listen so thank you Thank you very much for having me, Maureen. I want to thank Catherine for being a guest on the podcast today and being so open about her journey. This is the first person that we've had that has spoken about the differences within their child's club foot treatment. And for me, it was really eye-opening and enlightening, and I learned a lot. And I'm so grateful for her taking this time out of her day to talk with all of us. And I'm sure that you guys have learned a lot from her as well. If you want more information about the Global Clubfoot Initiative, you can go to globalclubfoot.com and that will have all of the information that you need. And we'll be doing another podcast about uh, the, the actual initiative coming up. And Again, thanks so much to Catherine for being here on the podcast. And if you liked this episode, if you found it helpful, if you know someone who has multiple kids with Clubfoot, then please share it and um, let other people hear about Catherine's experience. And if you need to get in contact with me in any way, you can 
do so through my website at maureenhoff.com or through my Instagram account at Clubfoot Chronicles Mom. Until next time.